It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on a Monday, and an extended version of Inside Sources will be with you all the way until 3 o'clock this afternoon when we'll hand the baton off. Uh, to whoever's sitting in for Jeff Kaplan, because he's off on vacation this week, but we'll get you home safely this afternoon as well. Uh, very pleased to be joined in studio today by Representative Rob Bishop. Uh, Rob, thanks for joining us in studio. Appreciate having the opportunity of being here with you. So you've just been up with the uh, Deseret News editorial board, the combined editorial board uh, with Deseret News and KSL, uh, talking about your future, and uh, I'll let you state the future as only you can state the future. But then I really want to get into your process because I think the process is such an important part of this uh, discussion and what many people aren't thinking about here in the state or uh, across the country as well. Well, and I appreciate you saying that. Uh, First of all, obviously, the decision I've made is I'm going to reiterate what I've been saying for the last seven years, Mm -hmm. that I will not run in 2020. Um, But also, because the last three or four months I have I have been surprised by the number of people who have asked me to reconsider, uh, often with, I think, legitimate reasons that I mm-hmm. des- that deserve some kind of reconsideration. Um, we sometimes take a very cavalier attitude to the way elections are going, uh, both as candidates, as politicians, as the media. Mm-hmm. So it becomes like horse race issues. Who's right. in? Who's out? What are the polls saying? What I was hoping to do is try and take it to a, a, a more profound level that there should be a rational reason for why I am in office, what service do I want to give, and if indeed I have a clear view of what my service is supposed to be, where I can be of optimal benefit for the state of Utah, then when the limitation of that service should be a, should be given at that stage. So I, I really was surprising. I have to admit often when, when people say, a lot of people ask me to run, I don't believe them either. <laughs> it's a red, red flag, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't. But this was a situation where I, w- I was getting a significant number of legislators and commissioners. Uh, a lot of my colleagues back in Washington, even some Democrats, were hitting me up big time saying I need to stay. Some potential replacements were, were asking me to reconsider, uh, some in the defense community, and, and especially when they came in three areas. I, I am still the only Utah that serves on an armed service committee. Right, right. And, and I have been, <laughs> in all due respect, the, the go-to person for a number of years. Um, and and I think we've been very successful in helping Hill Air Force Base as well as the other defense communities, uh, Dugway specifically, uh, Twilla Army Depot, to be very successful and more stable than they have ever been before. Um, we, we got some things in the NDAA, which is going to be very beneficial to Hill Air Force Base, uh, hitting me up about land issues. Uh, because of my position on Resource Committee, I, I should know more about land issues. But I've had commissioners who are concerned about about the knowledge level that leaves. And, and let's face it, back in, in 2014, uh, you all, 
uh, Lisa Riley Roach wrote an article that said Utah was punching above its weight. Yeah. Because we, at that time, uh, I and Jason Chaffetz and Orrin Hatch were all put in as chairmen of committees at that time. We have changed our delegations. It's a very young delegation yeah, right, right now. And having a, having somebody in a senior position, which I would be, senior members get more done than junior members. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. Yeah. Um, but not as much as a chairman who can set some kind of an agenda. So I, I recognize that having somebody there to continue that. But, but none of that necessarily changes if I run one or two more times. There will always be uh, one more issue to deal with. There will always be one more wrong that you want to right. There will always be more constituents you want to help. And even though I think we've been fairly successful in the minority mm-hmm. this last six months, uh, passing the lands bill, a water package that's important, all the things we got in the NDAA uh, for, for Hill Air Force Base, um, I still made a commitment. And I don't think that's necessarily going to change in two years. I may face the same psychological problems, the right. same deep discussions. My issue was, um, well, let's, let's stop there and let you break into me. I, I don't want to do an entire hour monologue here. <laughs> it, it, it's great radio, though. We could, we, yeah, we could right. because we know this is all going to lead up to the moment where we start talking about federalism and making federalism sexy again is what this program is really all about. And uh, that's a noble goal that should be <laughs> should be venerated at all times. That's right. That's right. But you have been a you have been a long uh, proponent of term limits, uh, and not just not just for members. Um, uh, and I think of it in these terms, uh, Rob, you are renowned throughout Washington as the person who gives the best tours of the <laughs> United States Capitol. Uh, and I can attest to that cause I've, I've seen it and I've witnessed it. Uh, but I think you're also doing in, in keeping your word, uh, you are recognizing, uh, what my favorite part of the Capitol in the rotunda, the picture of Washington, uh, resigning his commission, uh, really in that ultimate act of uh, saying, hey, I'm going to limit myself. Um, how did all of those things weigh in uh, to this decision in terms of term limits, in terms of anyone being absolutely irreplaceable? And what does it say for the future of the country? Well, it was – and that's part of the process that was weighing on me. So when I first was elected, I was just honored to be in Congress mm-hmm. uh, and didn't really exactly know what I was going to do. I, everything was going to be – in fact, that's the reason why my first apartment, everything either inflated or folded <laughs> – because I, I, I'm poor, and I didn't want to spend a lot of money on furniture if I didn't know how long it was going to be You were the first there. big Ikea client in D.C., right? <laughs> no, we went more formal than that, but yeah. Um, then a couple of things happened. One is I recognized the procedures in Washington are horrible, and I think I, I took that as one of my first efforts to try and see if we could come up. Because I'd been a legislator, and at the time I was the only member of the delegation that had had another elective office before I went to Washington. It was the first job for everyone else that was back there. I realized that what we were doing in Washington is not the way it has to be. There are better ways. And to try and emulate the things that we're doing in Utah and reinforce them and impose them on Washington would be a way of improving the procedures of Washington. And I realized this is boring for most people. It was boring for my students too. (laughs) Even other members, when I talk about procedures, their eyes glazed over. But if you have bad procedure, you're going to have bad policy. Yeah, process matters. It it makes a big difference. And fortunately, I was able to talk to the right people at the right time. In 2010, when we get when our party got control of the Congress again, I was asked by the speaker. In fact, his staffer called me and said, "You know, Boehner's going to be calling you and just say yes." Mm. 
He put me on the transition team in response to the rules to come up with some of the reforms. And both Boehner and Eric Cantor, who was the majority leader at the time, wanted to do things differently. And a lot of the things that we had in what I called the Utah plan, what we were doing in Utah, right. they they incorporated back in Washington. We made significant reform changes in just the process of what we were doing. Yeah, so so important for that uh, for that to happen. If you're just joining us, we've got Rob Bishop uh, in studio with us today, and uh, he has announced that he will keep his word, will not be running for re-election in 2020 in Utah's second congressional seat. Uh, as you talked about those early years and, and getting to the process piece, um, uh, I want to just drill down just for a second and uh, and get your deeper thought in terms of how do we change? You talked about the processes, uh, but you also have to have the right people in place or you have to have enough turnover in people uh, so that you can change the process. It, it becomes significant. And I, I kind of glossed over your you, – you took me down the term limits road. Utah is the only state that's actually passed legislative term limit law. I was the sponsor. They repealed it before it went into effect, but we actually did. You got pass. it done, yeah. I I do believe in term limits for members. I do believe in term limits for staff. We were mentioning one staffer over on the Senate side. Bless his heart. <laughs> bless bless his heart is very kind. Yeah, <laughs> who has been a staffer for the last five Democrat chairman of that committee. There are a lot of things that were good for Utah that were stopped, not because Democrat senators or Democrats or, or senators, any senator right. wanted it, because the staffer didn't want could, to do could it. Stop it, yeah. And and that becomes that becomes problematic. Now, I, I do realize there are limitations to term limits. I mean, sometimes there's a negative aspect. I, I think I mentioned in there that, uh, for instance. Bill Clinton created the Grand Staircase Escalante Monument when he was running for re-election. Mm-hmm. He didn't use that power to create another monument until his last two years in right, office right. when he was no longer facing electric electorate. And then he just went hog wild with the 14, 16, 18 monuments were created. Yeah. President Obama went went hog wild and rough, ran roughshod over the legislative initiatives in his last two years. He was very moderate up until that time. But once he was no longer facing an electorate again, that's when most of his executive orders came in, and most of them are very problematic and really took authority away from Congress. So sometimes there can be a negative. But on the whole, I think, and, and I think it would be helpful if people realized why their purpose is there and then decided... Not just a vision of themselves in office, creating, but a real vision. Creating a limit for that. So yeah. for me, it was in 2012... I realized I'd been there for a decade. I realized I was being groomed to be the next resource chairman. That would be in 2014. And by Republican rules, we can only be chairman for six years. Right. That would be my optimum ability to be a benefit to the state of Utah. And so back then I decided, all right, when 2020 hits, that's when I will leave. Not because I'm tired. I still, I, I'm still not ready to go. I still think I have energy. I still think I can be creative. But that's why I need to leave is because now is the right time. If I wait till I'm physically or mentally exhausted, I've been here far, far too long. Too long. All right. If you're just joining us, we're, we've got uh, Rob Bishop uh, in studio with us uh, talking about his uh, decision and his announcement today that he will not be seeking re-election in 2020. Uh, when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to pick up with Rob. We're going to talk through a little more federalism. Where should we be looking for solutions to the big problems in the country? And uh, and then what comes next is always the big question. So stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.
Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson. You're listening to Inside Sources on KSL. Great to be with you on a Monday. We've uh, got Representative Rob Bishop in studio with us today. Just uh, a little bit ago, he sat down with the Deseret News and KSL combined editorial boards and shared his future plans that uh, he will not be running uh, for re-election in the 2nd Congressional District in 2020. And uh, Rob, we appreciate you. Oh, and the, I said second. Wow. I just created a whole new news cycle. <laughs> Rob is going to run. No, <laughs> you, just, you just made Stuart's life change right there. Representative Stuart, uh, my apologies today. <laughs> so first congressional district should make sure we get that straight. Thanks for correcting on that. Uh, so Representative, I want to pick up on uh, this idea of where where problems need to be solved. We have been conditioned for so long that if it's a big problem, if it's a serious problem, then we've got to look to Washington to solve the problem. It, and that's the mindset that be, begins all sorts of issues and problems that we come up with. And and it even it, it, it crosses parties, it crosses yeah. philosophy. Um, I have people who are very conservative that think they believe in federalism, give lip service to it, but they still don't get it. And when you go back to Washington, you see a problem and you think instinctively, I've got to solve that problem. Yeah. That's got to be my legacy. I've got to do it. What we have to convince ourselves to do, if we're really going to solve the future, I still think federalism is not only a solution to the problems we have, it's the salvation of this country. Mm. That we have to have members of Congress who will sit down and say, okay, here's a problem. It's not the question of can I solve that problem, but ought I solve yeah. that problem? There are some things that should never be solved in Washington. Even good ideas, but they should never be done in Washington. I gave an example if you got yes, a moment. Please, please. Of a good conservative Republican in Tennessee who who was in favor of physical fitness. It's a great idea. But he wanted then to pass a piece of legislation that would have mandated PE be a part of the no child left behind. Mm-hmm. Well, another bad idea that of federal overreach. <laughs> and they were in and, and they brought they brought Richard Simmons up to lobbyists. He, he was wearing a suit, fortunately. Okay, that's, but, that's that's good. We yes. don't want to go to that visual. That may uh, good thing it's radio today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But I went on the floor to plead what I was doing often is to plead the Tenth Amendment. Yes. To plead the Tenth. That PE is good. Having kids physically active is good. Having schools running a, a, a physical education emphasis is good. It's wonderful. But it should never be mandated by Congress. We are not a school board. Right. And as a teacher, I always knew the most, the most famous saying we have is this too shall pass. You can mandate anything you want to from either the state level or the federal level. And I know I could outlive it. Yeah. If you really want to have an effective physical education program, you've got to have the teachers and the administrators and the local boards committed to that idea. You can't push that down on top of them. You can do it, but it's going to be ineffective, right. and it's the wrong thing to do. There is so much that we do in Washington that is the wrong thing to do. I think the reason we have a spending problem in Washington is not that necessarily we are spending too much money on issues – we are spending too much on too many issues that every time there's a problem that pops up, oh, let Washington Let's solve fix it. it. Yeah. Washington will give it a greater, greater concept and, and greater vision of it. It's not. That is one of the reasons we have states. States matter. States can be more efficient. They can be more effective. And they can provide justice. The one thing we can't do in Washington with this one-size-fits-all program right. is see where somebody falls between the cracks. And how you can actually run a program 
to help people in their individual needs, that can only be done on the local level. And until we get that mindset, even in conservatives going back to Washington, that we can't and should not try and do everything in Washington, we need to have a division of responsibilities. If if you got a second. Keep rolling. (laughs) The founding fathers came up with this idea of dual sovereignty. The good book tells you you can't have two masters. That's That's what they ask us to do. And James Wilson said, you can if you define the spheres of responsibility. If the two governments, state government and federal government, act like comets running through the system, they'll, they'll produce chaos in their wake. Mm-hmm. But if they stay like the planets in their sphere of, of responsibility, their alignment, yeah. their alignment, they can function cooperatively and feed upon one another for a better service to individuals. That's what we have lost, that idea that there should be things that only state and local governments should do and things that federal government should do, and you should keep them in their sphere of responsibility. That's our solution. Yeah, and I think there's there are so many people who should be talking about that, and we, we know better from history that uh, trying to do everything in the one-size-fits-all category just uh, never never quite makes it to the end of the row. And as you mentioned, the people who fall through the cracks, you can't see who's fallen through the cracks from – 3,000 miles away. It's just not going to happen. It never does. And if you if you as an individual don't like the decision, if it's a local decision, you can talk to that person. That's right. If you don't like what the, what the Department of Interior does, what do you do about it? Fly back to Washington, throw rocks at their window? There is nothing you can do as an individual. Yeah. That's why decisions have to be there for justice. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, Representative Rob Bishop from the 1st Congressional District uh, in, in with us today. He's made his announcement that he will not be running in 2020. Uh, and, and Rob, when, when you made your announcement, uh, I love the fact that it was about not about your vision of you in office, uh, but what's the right thing to do. And I, I think so often we, we end up with candidates whose only vision is a vision of themselves in office as, as opposed to a vision for what difference they can make. Uh, I want you to, to project forward just a, a little bit. There has been a lot of speculation about what's next uh, on your radar. The governor's race is obviously heating up here uh, in the state. Uh, is that is that an area or uh, an area that you might have a vision of uh, what you could do for the state of Utah? Well, I think I told you up, upstairs that it took me this long to come up with this decision. <laughs> I, it's going to take me a while to do the next one. But if indeed I decide to run for governor, I want to go through the same thought process I did on whether I would do another term in Congress or not, that I have to have a purpose for why I want to do that kind of service. I, you know, I already have one picture up there on the wall in the Capitol. I don't necessarily have you to don't have need two. To. That, that would make you like an innovator, though. That'd be, you'd, you'd be really unique up there. <laughs> well, yeah, I could have two without a suit on, two, <laughs> two sweater portraits at some time. But if indeed I want to go into that approach, I have to have in my own mind a conviction that there is something that I can actually bring and do a service that I need to do. Um, and that's – to be honest, that's what I went through with Congress. That's yeah. why I said my ultimate benefit for the state of Utah can be as chairman of the Resources Committee. When I'm done with that, I should be done. I should yeah. leave voluntarily. Um, I left – when I was in the legislature for eight terms as well, I left voluntarily mm-hmm. and I was out of any kind of public office for eight years. So I, I don't have to have a, a job to feel fulfilled. And that's what I'm looking at also when I make a decision for governor. Is there a role that I think I need to do? Only I can do it mm-hmm. and that I can see visually that this is where I want to help this, the state of Utah. Yeah. And if, if I can't come to my own conclusion that that's important, then I won't run. Yeah. 
really good stuff. Again, if you're just joining us, we've got Rob Bishop in studio today. Uh, Rob, we've got just a couple minutes left, and uh, I, I'm glad you got to this this point in terms of how you're making these decisions. I think it's so important for our listeners to to think those through because I think it leads to questions that voters should ask themselves, uh, and that is, one, you know, what will a candidate do uh, to make a difference in our community if they're not in office, uh, and I think you, you've answered that in terms of being in and out and voluntarily in and out uh, of office, which I think is a, a really Im- important thing. Uh, what are some of the other things that you think we need to be asking or looking for or expecting of our leaders locally and nationally? Um, I, I, I think it's important that the discussion go a little bit deeper than simply the poll numbers. And and that is a discussion that really doesn't necessarily take place easily. Yeah. I've also found in over the years that the issues will always change. That's why I said, you know, for a congressman, there's always one more issue right. you want to deal with. But the mindset of a person does not change. And and one of the things we should be doing with all candidates is trying to figure out how they want to approach problems, how they visualize what the role of government ought to be, because the issue will always be different. But how they affect that issue, how they approach that issue, how they try and figure out that issue, that's going to be a constant. And that is one of the deeper discussions. It's sometimes – it's hard to do that. Yeah. It's hard to get into that. Hard to get that in a soundbite or a bumper sticker. It's impossible to do in a soundbite. <laughs> Maybe bite. a tweet, right? <laughs> Not even a tweet. Come on. You can't do anything in 140 characters. I'm an old English teacher. I want sentences. That's right. That don't end in prepositions. <laughs> there we go. Very important. Very important. All right. Uh, Congressman Bishop, we, we've got just about a, a minute uh, to go here uh, with our time with you, and we appreciate you staying with us for a couple of segments here on Inside Sources. And I, I want to ask you, as, as we close out, uh, so you've, you've got between now and January 5th of uh, 2021 – uh, what should we be watching for in terms of unfinished business? What do you hope to do over the next uh, little while not campaigning? Well, there are still a lot of things I hope that we can accomplish. We did with the lands package. We got some major stuff done for the state of Utah, but not everything. There is still a fish hatchery out there in Utah that has been totally mismanaged by the federal government. And if the state had it, the state could turn it into a profit-making entity. The state needs to have that. So there's a few of those land issues that I'm still looking at. We have a maintenance backlog on the parks that is uh, 12 to $17 billion. If you add forests and all public lands, it's $30 billion. I have a maintenance backlog bill that has 300 co-sponsors right now, which I'm, I'm proud of that. That's great. That would establish a way of helping to fund that by taking excess royalties. And if, if they don't exist, you don't fund it. So mm-hmm. this is not mandatory spending. But you take excess royalties, the first billion and a half would go into making sure that our parks are adequate for, uh, for individuals so that you have, a good, you have a good experience when you go to a park, yeah. that the road actually runs, the bathrooms, bathrooms work, there. Yeah. And, and you can enjoy it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we know there's a lot ahead, and we'll have you back uh, in studio as you march through the next year or so. And we appreciate your service, your decision, and I especially appreciate your process, uh, which I think we need to talk about a lot more in this country because that's how we get real leaders uh, in all the right places. So, Rob Bishops, thanks, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for hour number one. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. Stay with us. Much, much more to come on KSL News Radio.